I once read a quote that said, if money could solve the problem, you don't have a problem. Obviously, you need to have money for that to be the case, which is why financial wellness is so important. In this episode, I speak with Liz Davidson of Financial Finesse about how financial wellness and security can impact all areas of your life for the better. The Mental Health and Wealth Show, the Mental Health and Wealth Show, the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. This is host Melanie Locker. And first of all, I want to acknowledge that you are brave and amazing for being here. Getting ready to listen to a show about mental health and money is not easy, and I know you are ready for these amazing conversations. But before you listen, I want to let you know that all of my content is based on my own personal experience with mental health and money, as well as the experiences and expertise of my guests. I'm not a mental health professional or a financial professional, so content should not be considered professional, medical, or financial advice. As a trigger warning, please note that content on the show may include sensitive topics around mental health and suicide. So if you're currently in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741-741. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. This is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today, I'm chatting with Liz Davidson, founder and CEO of Financial Finesse. Liz has been widely recognized as one of the nation's leading experts in the field of financial education. Prior to launching Financial Finesse at 28 years old, she owned a hedge fund with $48 million in assets. She left the hedge fund industry to establish an unbiased financial education firm that would provide people with the information they need to make sound financial decisions and achieve their financial goals. Today, Financial Finesse is the leading provider of unbiased financial wellness programs in the country, working with over 600 organizations and Fortune 1000 companies, reaching over 1 million Americans per year. She holds an MBA from the Anderson School of UCLA. Thank you so much for being here, Liz. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you. I think this is such an important topic. So you've built your entire company on financial wellness. So I'd love to hear your personal definition of financial wellness. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that because there has been such an explosion in this industry. And now you have, you know, virtually every financial services provider is touting their financial wellness program and their commitment to employee financial wellness. And obviously, you know, there's a full spectrum of firms in the world, those that are really truly in it for the right reasons and dedicated to it all the way to you know, payday lenders that are saying, we're a financial wellness company because you know, we're hoping you get through to the next pay cycle. Well, if you're mm -hmm. charging a high interest rate and getting me further into debt, you know, that's a hard argument to make. But all of that said, when we look at financial wellness, we look at it from the perspective of the employee. And for us, it's a state of well-being. So it's a state of financial well-being where the person has a control on their financial stress, so not that they don't have financial stress, some stress, as you know, you stress, right, can be good and motivating, but it's not keeping them up at night, it's well under control. They are out of their high interest rate debt, they have an emergency fund and a strong financial foundation with the right insurance, et cetera. So if something happens to them, they're gonna be okay or their family's gonna be okay. And they are on track to achieve their financial goals on the time frame that they've established. It doesn't mean they're financially secure. Financial security means, okay, I have enough money right now to last the rest of my life comfortably. 
but it is the only financial wellness is the only way to achieve sustainable financial security. We all know lottery winners, right? They could become financially yeah. secure. But if they're not financially well, ultimately that financial security will go away. So that's our definition. And what we do is work with employers to offer financial coaching as an employee benefit to further employees' financial wellness and get as many employees as possible in that state of what we would call financial wellness that meets those criteria. I love your super specific definition of financial wellness. <laughs> and I love that you mentioned kind of the array of companies touting this phrase. Yeah, because it is kind of a a trendy phrase nowadays. And yeah, yeah, some people aren't necessarily using it for the right reasons. And I think you're talking about holistic financial wellness for the long term, not just you know, a Band-Aid solution that some other companies may be providing. And so I think it's a beautiful employee benefit because it can really add to an employee's sense of well-being. You know, this thing, they're going to work to make money. And then how can they use that money in a way that's going to help them with their life so that they're happier at work and happier in their life? And it's a win-win situation for everyone. Yes. That's what I absolutely love about this is, you know, we, we say we're our business is really CFL, changing financial lives, but then also as part of that, achieving ROI for the organizations that subsidize these programs. So it is a win-win because when an employer really cements themselves as an, a partner in employees' financial security, that relationship dynamic changes significantly. We've really seen the workforce and we're talking about the great resignation, everything you know going on now post-COVID, we've seen the workforce move much more to free agency. And employers are like, how do I retain these employees? How do I establish this connection? I can't offer a, you know, DB, a traditional DB pension plan, retiree medical care. You know, you don't have the, the days of working somewhere and getting the gold watch and financial security for the rest of your life when you retire. So what is the next best thing? And this fills kind of that void of this is why us and not another employer, we really are invested in you. And it's, you know, obviously not just financial wellness, it's mental wellness, mental health, you know, I would say is even more important, physical wellness, we are there to enhance your life and your well being. I love that. And so I'm curious, you know, you started this company at 28, you know, what prompted you to go out on your own and start this company? Like, what was your mission at the time? What was your fire underneath, you know, <laughs> you to get started? Wow. So that, yes, that was 1999. So I guess your listeners can do the math. <laughs> <I turned laughs> this year. Um, that was 1999. And we were in the dot com era. And I was running, you know, an investment management company with a hedge fund and, and independently managed accounts and talking to these high net worth investors and realizing that they were either, you know, not as financially savvy as they thought because they were entrepreneurs or doctors or attorneys and, you know, they hadn't really been exposed to basic financial principles or they were financially savvy. Like maybe they were professor of finance or, you know, in the finance industry, but they thought they could beat the markets. <laughs> so, you know, it was either an emotional driver or a lack of knowledge. And I was like, oh my gosh, these people in the way they're investing is really, really risky. It's not in line with wealth preservation, but they can afford to take a hit if the bubble, and it did burst in 2000, if the, the bubble burst, 
What about the rest of Americans that don't have that level of wealth or are really counting on these employee stock options and kind of spending money they don't have? What's going to happen to them? And I, I just felt such an anxiety. Mm-hmm. I started doing workshops um, just on a volunteer basis to try to help kind of those that I would say were upwardly mobile, but early in their careers, not wealthy yet, you know, just really look, take a step back from the mania, right? And fell in love with it, fell in love with it, had so many people thanking me, um, discovered very quickly that it's very difficult to host workshops all over the country, especially when you launch on the same day in 25 places, but that's another <laughs> yeah. um, and, and And the customer acquisition, though, that's, you know, ultimately when it became a business, we started charging for those sessions, but discovered that model, that B2C model was difficult. What happens was we had several HR and benefits managers within those sessions that said, hey, what's your daily rate? Can you do this for my company? And all of a sudden it crystallized. I was like, wait a minute. So I don't need to you know, acquire customer after customer for $49.95 for a seat in a workshop. Yeah. I could have the employer's support and getting people into a room you know, and rolling this out. Obviously, since then, we, you know, we very quickly morphed into an omni-channel approach. Workshops, you know, today aren't even a thing <laughs> with COVID, but, you know, where we have phone-based, text, uh, chat, financial coaching, webcasts, and a digital financial wellness hub with a virtual financial coach that kind of integrates all those services together and makes recommendations around benefits and maximizing benefits and comps. So, so it's, you know, come a long way since then, but um, that really was the story is, oh my gosh, (laughs) this really, the the right way to do this is as a benefit, not trying to get people who may be financially challenged already Mm -hmm. to pay for it, you know? Yeah. It's fully subsidized for the employee. Yeah, that's such a great story. And yeah, getting someone else like an employer to subsidize it rather than the individual is beneficial for everyone. It sounds like you guys have really kind of crystallized your vision and are helping so many people. And so after all of this time, I'm curious, you know, what are the most common issues that you see when it comes to mental health and wealth as it relates to financial wellness? So I would, that answer is kind of um, morphed throughout the years, but I I would say kind of the underlying theme, and certainly right now, is this concept of financial insecurity. So it's not, you know, I think you would think it would be directly correlated to how much money you have, that if you have a bigger nest egg, you're going to be less stressed. And there's some correlation, but the reality is we are in such a crazy, uncertain world, and there's so much anxiety that people are projecting into the future and are very concerned, you know, what's going to happen to the market? Like, am I going to be able to retire? We don't know what's going to come kind of thing. And how do I protect myself and my family? And, you know, one positive development from COVID was we saw a huge uptick in the number of employees establishing emergency funds. Now they were in an emergency if they, you know, the obviously we're working with employees, so they're employed and they're getting a paycheck. They were in an emergency with some extra disposable income because they weren't commuting and didn't have, Mm -hmm. you know, certain expenses and they weren't going out and saying, oh my God, we got to bulletproof our finances. So there is this new awareness of of the importance of being financially secure, but there's a lot of concern about 
among those that are nearing financial security or even at that, what if I lose it? So how do I make sure I, I keep it? And then those that are trying to reach it, I mean, it's, it's not easy, you know? And so yeah. how do I make sure I'm continually progressing? How do I make sure I'm making the right decisions? Understanding that the open enrollment healthcare decision, which used to be like, okay, let's just pick what seems to be the cheapest or make sense based on what my coworkers are doing is now taken much more seriously. You know, I think COVID also raised that awareness of the importance of making those right decisions. They have long-term consequences. If you can't pay your deductible, that's the problem, you know? Totally. Yeah. I mean, so much of this past year has shifted the financial landscape for so many people. And, you know, I've been writing about financial um, topics for the past seven years. And a lot of times people say, oh, an emergency fund should be three to six months of expenses. And even that is being critiqued now. Like, yep. is that enough? Should we make yep. it a year? Because I remember reading this article about, you know, people who quote, did everything right. And they had an emergency fund of six months, but the pandemic has lasted longer than that. And some people yes. have been out of work longer than that. And so they did quote everything right, and it still wasn't enough. And then, you know, we're dealing with a huge health crisis, which is quite expensive if you do get COVID. And so, yeah, I think people are thinking about things differently, like health costs. And yeah, it's been a huge awakening for everyone to reassess, is my emergency fund actually enough? What are my health care costs? How can I actually make them doable if and when I get sick? Because- yes. I mean, at this point, we all may get COVID at some point. Who knows? Like, yes. we, we just don't know. And I mean, there's so many things to think about. So I'm glad that there's more awareness. It's unfortunate that it's had to come through this awful crisis that continues. Yeah. But uh, I'm grateful for the work that you're doing of, of, of highlighting these issues. And so it's, it's clear that anxiety is a thing. So kind of on the other end of the question, how does financial security impact someone's mental health for the better? Yeah, so it's interesting. And I, the American uh, Psychological Association partnered with AOL, not sure, <laughs> an interesting <laughs> pairing, but did a very mass scale study on how financial stress impacted um, different psychiatric disorders as well as physical ailments. And I mean, anxiety, depression, you know, magnitudes higher, you know, two, three, four times higher among those that are financially stressed versus those that aren't. So once you reach a point of financial security and you feel like, you're, you know, you're, you're going to be okay, or at least you're in a much better situation and you don't need to be in that constant state of what's going to happen next. Am I going to be able to get through this? The cortisol, you know, that stress causes, you know, that hormone that's fight or flight and can be really damaging on your organs and on your mental health, it lowers. And subsequently you have much greater peace of mind and less anxiety. I mean, it's been tied to um, improvement in marital relationships and domestic partnerships in parenting. I mean, because financial stress is a feeder stress. I mean, think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you don't have fundamentally enough to survive, I mean, that goes directly to kind of our most reptilian part of our brain going, oh my God, I got to fix this now. And what do I do? And, you know, I got to make sure my family's okay. So it's it can be game changing for people. 
And what we've also seen is the connection. We've had so many people we've worked with that you know might have started with this our financial coaching, but then subsequently lost a lot of weight, became much more physically healthy, started doing better self-care because once they were able to see that they had agency and that they could improve their lives, that sense of empowerment carried to those other areas and vice versa, vice versa. I mean, we exist in wellness centers at companies that, you know, not as much physically anymore, but pre-COVID where we would have someone would go get their blood pressure or, or physical and then come do their financial consultation. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm taking care of me, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a, a cool huge domino effect. Like it's yes. a domino effect of once you take care of one area, other areas can follow. And I yeah. love that you mentioned the Maslow's hierarchy of needs because yeah, if we are at that first level of I'm trying to find shelter and food, you know, we're not going to get to that self-actualization, no. but when you can get to, to that self-actualization, all of these other worries are no longer a part of your psyche and you have so much more brain space to think of other things and that can just open up so many areas of your life and lead to more happiness and wellness as you mentioned absolutely absolutely um yeah i mean we call it an upward spiral yeah oh, I love and the, that. the level of connectivity really is shocking because you know we've really gotten in touch with regular users to track you know their progress and I can't tell you the number of them that physically, you know, have lost weight and look healthier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? I mean, you yeah. know, this is very, and you're looking and you're going, well, we didn't help you with any of that. But again, it's that empowerment. And, you know, I think we need more of that in the world. We need more inspiration. We need more hope, right? I think we're so, we're in such a negative cloud of fear and anxiety and, it's like, how do you break through that and get people to see what is possible even in difficult times and, you know, have enough of that hope to keep going? Yeah, such a good point. So we know that mental health can affect the way we manage our money. So what do you recommend if people have their mental health and it's hindering their financial progress? Like maybe they have a diagnosis or they're dealing with a particular situation and it's making it difficult to, you know, progress on their finances? Well, I think first and foremost, and I'm so glad it's become so much more transparent in the recent Olympics, right? Case in yeah. point. I mean, I'm so glad we are destigmatizing this because I think that in of itself does provide a sense of perspective and comfort that you're not going through this alone. This is kind of part of being a human, right? We all have to maintain and invest in our mental health. And, you know, a lot of us at any given point in time, it's not optimal. So kind of taking a breath and going, it's okay not to be okay. It's, you know, as corny as that sounds and not punishing yourself and recognizing, okay, so I might be in a little bit, my friend calls it a dip. He's like, I'm in a dip right now. Okay. I might be in a little bit of a dip. So a couple of things, first of all, I'm probably not going to, shouldn't make any major life or financial decisions while I'm in this state. Give myself a break there because those don't usually turn out well. They might be made out of that desire to feel better, but then long term, mm -hmm. you know, maybe I shouldn't have gotten married. Maybe I shouldn't have bought that. House. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so kind of put pause on it and then work with a financial coach because a good financial coach does look at you as a person, not just a set of numbers and can tap into understanding where you're at and what is really reasonable in terms of progress. Because the worst thing you can do is put all this pressure on yourself. Like, oh, you know, 
I just got diagnosed with anxiety and depression and I don't have enough of an emergency fund and now I'm really, really upset with myself and I'm not doing anything. I mean, no, right? Mm -hmm. You got to kind of go to, all right, what have you done well and how do we build upon it at a pace that's sustainable and that you cut yourself some slack. If it's going to take two or three years, you know, to get to where you need to go. Consistent, you know, with whatever little steps you can take towards financial progress, towards managing your mental health, you know, whether that's seeing a therapist, seeing a psychiatrist, getting a financial coach, all of the yep. above, you yes. know, taking the next little steps so that you can manage all of those things. So yes, um, your company also created the Race and Financial Stress Special Report. I'm so curious, what are the most important findings from that report people should be aware of? Well, I mean, I think I'm stating the obvious when I say there's a wealth gap. Um, as you would expect, with the wealth gap comes a major financial wellness gap. And what we've discovered is it has much more to do with income and kind of lack of education as opposed to race. So when you look across the board at those that are financially stressed and maybe didn't have the level of education from their parents or communities around, you know, basic financial management, it is lower income employees and it is a struggle, right? It is, how do you do more with less? And they look at the financial services community in general and say, well, I don't need financial advice. I don't have any money, right? So there's all these factors playing into it. But what we discovered is when companies can target those lower income employees and even more specifically go to ERG groups for black or brown employees that, you know, are really cultivating that groundswell of connectivity and community, the level of improvement is magnitudes higher because when you are in a situation where you really need the help and you can see there's a resource for you and you can see the path, you are so motivated. If you're more, you know, doing okay or you're pretty financially well, it's like, oh, you know, I still want to do better, but I don't have that intense motivation. And so with the right programs that really touch on the issues and are personalized to the needs of the employee that is in that level of financial stress, it can be, I mean, it can be life-changing and the level of improvement, again, is magnitudes higher than we see among uh, those that are more privileged. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, I think having that access to the educational resources and support is so crucial. So your work is all about changing lives for the better with financial wellness. Do you have a particular success story that you can share? Oh my gosh, so many. Um, it's hard to even know where to start, but I will say uh, where we tend to be the most helpful uh, is those in lower income situations that are really, you know, I would say in a crisis. So maybe they're close to eviction even, you know, they're, I mean, we've worked with people that were living out of their cars and, you know, weren't letting their employer know, cause that's not wow. something you want anyone to know, but like mm -hmm. essentially homeless, but working, which is, is a legitimate population. Like I, you know, I would not have known this before, before getting involved, you know, involved in financial wellness. And so it, it is 
understanding them and where they're at and how do you help them? I mean, it's intervention, you know, how do you help them and get on the phone with, you know, their landlord to get a, a, a stay essentially so that, you know, they have more time. How do you help them establish an emergency fund in the smallest of ways and just step by step by step, getting them to a place where, okay, I have housing. Okay. I've developed an emergency fund. I'm starting to pay off my debts or work through credit counseling or refinancing so that it's more manageable. And, you know, over time, I mean, we've seen people go from that to literally to retirement. Now that's time. <laughs> I mean, we've been doing this for 22 years, so that could be a decade yeah. longer, right? But it's that just building upon every single success and working with the person, you know, on an ongoing basis, working with the same coach. So there's that accountability, there's that support. Um, you know, they can access the coach anytime. I mean, we've had people in, you know, stores saying, Michael, is <laughs> one of our coaches, tell me not to buy the shoes. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, obviously that's someone that's beyond the, the crisis level, but, but it's, it's just, you can really, truly, someone can go from crisis all the way to security. And no matter what someone's story is, we've almost inevitably helped people through worse. So that's another big thing is you have so many people that are so ashamed and embarrassed. And it's like, no, so much of this was life circumstances outside of your control. You did the best you knew how to do at the time. This is not easy, right? And don't punish yourself. Understand the majority, this is, this is, this is pretty universal challenge, you know? And you can change your situation. Others have been through worse and gotten to financial security. You can too. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, I think it's so important for us to remind everyone that everyone's in a different financial situation. And yeah, we're not all starting on the same playing field. And, you know, I'd love to mention that wages have not kept up with inflation. So it's yes. like, we're already dealing with less while having to pay for more. And so yes. making that mathematical equation work out is already so different. And that's why there's huge generational shifts between, you know, boomers and millennials and Gen Z, because we're all dealing with different financial inequalities and trying to manage going forward. But as you mentioned, you know, there can be a plan for everyone, but we can also acknowledge financial inequality and systemic inequalities that are much bigger than, you know, what individuals are responsible for and can do. Absolutely. So it's, yeah, it is that balance of understanding this is real and there are challenges, don't be ashamed. And then also understanding there are things you can do, right? So it's that, it is that balance. But, you know, one example that I think is, is often overlooked of, of kind of inequality you talked about is, you know, women versus men. We, a lot of the same products we buy, there's a pink tax essentially where we're paying more Yes. For, you know, basic products like our shampoo. So annoying. More. <laughs> <laughs> our razors cost more. Yes, Why? You know, and I guess we could, you know, try to game the system and buy the men's products, but you know, that doesn't really feel right either. So so the the bottom line is, you know, between that, living longer, having higher healthcare expenses, 
being more likely to be the primary caregiver and be out of the workforce for a period of time, leading to less social security, coupled with the wage gap. Like put all that together and it's like, we have to save more, <laughs> but we're starting with less and we have more challenges. So I kind of liken it to breast cancer. You know, women, men get breast cancer, but women are much, much, much greater risk. And I think, you know, the same thing financially, it's being aware that I have to lean in and, and take extra care of this issue. Unfortunately, it is what it is because of these challenges. I'm at greater risk as a woman. I'm most likely at greater risk for becoming financially insecure than my male counterpart. You know, it just is what it is. There are things yeah. you can do to counter that. And we have, you know, a lot of data on some just natural skill sets that women have cultivated just by virtue of how they're socialized that really play in well to financial planning and investing for the long term, et cetera, et cetera. So you can turn it, you know, you can leverage it to become an advantage um, in certain areas, but you gotta be aware of the challenges. It is, I mean, it, the struggle is real, you know? Yeah, thank you so much for bringing that up. Like it's totally something that women need to be aware of. And, you know, we see these, financial challenges every day. But as you mentioned, we can acknowledge the challenges exist and, you know, meet ourselves where we are and then move forward from that landing point. And so what can people do today to get started on their financial wellness journey? Well, I would say first and foremost, ask your employer what resources are available for financial wellness. And more than that, you know, clarify, is this an unbiased program? Is this like, who is delivering this? What are their qualifications? Do they have products or services that they're selling? And I'm not saying that if you have a financial services firm that's selling products and services, you shouldn't use their financial wellness. What I'm saying is be an informed consumer. So you understand the motivation of the organization that might be providing financial wellness. And so you can you can take the good and be aware of the bad kind of thing if it you know if there are conflicts of interest or or things like that it's still better to educate yourself it's still better to have financial coaching and guidance in general than to not have it so um but i would i would really ask your employer what do you have and you know again delve into what that looks like and take advantage of that benefit um personalized you know, getting a personal financial coach, if your employer doesn't have it, you know, figuring out there are more and more financial planners that are moving more to become financial coaches. So finding a financial coach that can potentially help you now there's a challenge there because you would be paying out of pocket if your employer doesn't have it. So it is a you have to look at the cost and the benefit. But um, the other thing is, is really looking at you know, where are you? Where do you want to be? And what are the key things? And this is where a financial coach can help you. What are the key things you need to do short, medium and long term to accomplish that and breaking it into reasonable goals that you can automate wherever possible. So if you want to set up an emergency savings fund, have 10% of your paycheck, if you can afford it, go to a separate account. So it's not something that, you know, you're actively tapping into. And that account will build over time automatically rather than you having to say, okay, what can I save this week? Or, you know, what can I save this month? You know, so it's figuring out once you have those goals, 
what are the things you can do that will work for your life and your situation, automate as much as possible, make it as easy as possible so that you'll maintain and build upon it. I love that. Thank you. So if, if an employer wanted to work with your company, how would they get started and how would they connect with you? So you, our website is financialfinesse.com or you can reach out at info at financialfinesse.com and you know, just share a little bit about your company, what you're looking for. These programs really are custom designed because we work with everyone from nonprofits in the healthcare sector where there is, I mean, there's limited resource and a whole lot of competing priorities all the way to high-tech companies, consulting firms. Um, you know, we work with the NFL Players Association. So it's, it, it, you know, it really is about working with the employer to figure out what type of program is going to resonate with your population and is going to work for your budget and your goals. So anything you can share at the front end will help us, you know, better help you. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. And I so thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love that you're doing this. Such an important topic. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Want more content and support? Sign up for the Mental Hump newsletter and get our free mental health and money inventory worksheet. You can sign up at mentalhealthandwealth.com and also check out our other blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, we host a mental health and wealth hangout every other Thursday over Zoom at 5 p.m. Pacific to chat about all things money and mental health. The best part, it is free. If you'd like to support the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review. And you can also support me at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart. And lastly, I want to remind you to do something for yourself to take care of your mental health and wealth.